Welcome to Season 3, Episode 3 of Father and Dad, where we give you a candid, inside look at the shared journey of a seminarian and his, on his path to fatherhood and his dad. I'm Dad, P.J. Carraher. And I'm Father, God willing, Stephen Carraher. Yes. Yes, well, uh, we're wrapping up summer, getting ready to head back. Summer 2022, getting ready to head back to school. I know, it's crazy to think that the summer is already over. It feels like it just started for me. I know. It's funny, you say it feels like it just started. School now is at that point. You're you're going into year three, so it's no longer... I'm going into year five, actually. Well, that's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true, because you did the two years to get a degree in philosophy. And so now you're... So this is like year three of... The second part. Year three and part two. Part <laughs> year two. three and part yeah, two. Yeah, so you're right. It is year five. Yeah. And oh, yeah. it's an interesting point. And we talked about this. This is an interesting time for you in a sense because it's no longer that new thing, that yeah. new, new thing. Mm-hmm. And yet you're still not... It, the 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 end is not the the end is still in mind, but it's not like right around the corner. Mm-hmm. And to me, and I brought this up to you, is I think there's a risk in this. T- it's, while this is a good time, because this is a time that you'll always think back fondly on. But while you're in the time, it's like you're in between. Yeah, and uh, and it's it's a time where you almost. A word I threw out there was doldrums almost, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying you're in it, but I mean that that would almost be a risk. Or, or does that kind of resonate with you? What I'm saying? Yeah, it certainly resonated with me and and many different points during my time in seminary. I always find though, like around these times of of like going back to seminary or or um, you know different transitions that happen during seminary, whether it's yeah. switching seminaries or going to a new assignment, uh, like a new summer assignment, those are always like check in moments for me where it's like okay. Uh, but yeah, when you're kind of like in the thick of, when you're in the thick of it, yeah, uh, and especially like you think about those middle years of seminary, like these past couple of years for me, yeah, it's very tempting to like, you know, just kind of put yourself on autopilot and just kind of just yeah. go on uh, and, uh, you know, just get the, cause it, you know, it, seminary looks an awful lot like just like a normal college, you know, you have, yeah. you know, classroom desks and chalkboards or whiteboards and you have tests and papers and quizzes. It's very, it's very easy to kind of like slip back into like, yeah, I'm just doing this. I'm just going through school. I'm going through the rhythm and going through the motions. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of maybe what you're talking about. Yeah, that is. Um, but there are, there are, it's, it's, it's beautiful, like going through seminary and like seeing those moments. There's, there's just hints of moments that the Lord always gives you that it just reminds you that you're not here just to do the, the papers, the tests or the quizzes, but really you're, you're here in seminary, you know, seeking ordination, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you know, whether or not that that's what God calls you to. And that's something that you discern, um, throughout your time in seminary. But, uh, there are moments like, I think in my mind, what comes so, so quickly is, is going to see the ordination of your brother seminarians. True. True. It's, so, so like, even just this past June, when I saw, um, now Deacon Robert Ross, who, you know, when I entered seminary, he was what, like five or four or five years away from ordination to yeah. deacon, and now like yeah. he's a deacon now. Yeah, which is crazy to think. It's it's like you know, it does. It, it's kind of funny at this at this moment. I think I'm uh, maybe like ten, nine or ten months away from being ordained to the deacon, mm-hmm. uh, which is like it seems like some some sometimes it seems like it's like an eternity away. Yeah. but then sometimes it's like, wait a second. Like I've spent these last like four years, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like getting ready for this. So uh, there's definitely like, you know, there certainly is is a is a chance 
you know, just, just kind of like slip into like the rhythm or the routine. Routine but, is, yeah. Yeah, but, but and, and not that routine is bad. Like there's a lot of good things you can get from routine. And routine, right. you like really like get a sense of like what the daily life but, is but like. The, but the problem that I have, routine, and I am a fan of routines. Yeah. It's just that you risk losing your end goal that you're using yeah, your routine uh-huh. for, which is, I guess, why you do things like going on retreats and whatnot. Yeah. So routine is good as you're working to achieve a long-term goal, but when the routine becomes, you risk the routine becoming, I don't want to say the goal, but yeah, you, lose, no, yeah. you lose sight of the goal. Yeah, totally, totally. I totally agree with you. Yeah, just yeah, having the routine become your goal and just kind of like finding comfort in that routine yes. in itself and you're not like, you know, not understanding that, okay, I do this routine so I get myself ready for, you know, ordination. I get myself ready for, you know, whatever goal that we're trying to go for. Um, but yeah, no, but you really do need to have those moments where you do check in and, mm-hmm. and you say, okay, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? That's why I really love, uh, prayer. Prayer has definitely yeah. been that for me. Um, yeah, even just through my whole time in seminary, just coming before the Lord and, and especially for adoration, going to mass. And, mm-hmm. you know, those are times when you're, when you're praying with, with, with our Lord and, you know, encountering him, you're really reminded of like, oh yeah, I'm here for a purpose. You know, yeah. I'm not here for myself. I'm not here because I'm living this comfortable routine. I'm here because, you know, I, I think that God might be calling me to be a priest and, you know, I'm here to really just kind of experience his love and understand myself better as his beloved son. And, uh, and just encountering him in prayer uh, just really helps to inform the routine that you're going through, you know, going for, if, the, if that makes sense. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's So your goal is not the daily routine. Your goal is where you're going for. Yeah. Your, mm-hmm. your goal is the goal in mind. And, yeah, exactly. You know, we had talked uh, before the show about how, uh, how the seminar, Mary, it addresses – so this issue yeah. is not just something in the seminary. It's something after you're ordained that you also have yeah. to you mm-hmm. have to watch out for that. And you had mentioned that that's been overtly addressed, or am I wrong about yeah, that? Yeah, it- sure. So yeah, no, it's something to consider because the thing is, I'm becoming more aware of it the more times that I've spent with priests and the yeah. more assignments that I've been is. Uh, there isn't anything that really magically happens after ordination. Okay. You know, there's, no, there's no like, lightning bolt from the sky. Yeah, there's no lightning bolt from the sky. Like some, I'm not, but at the same time, I'm not saying that no. It's a blessed happens. event, and it, yeah, it's, yes. it's it's not like nothing happens. But right. But I, I mean, I know when I came into seminary, kind of my thought was that oh, I just got to make it to ordination, and then once I get ordained, everything's going to be fixed. Yes. Like then I'll, I'm going to be great. <laughs> or on the flip side, I think a lot of people, a lot of young men struggle with this as well. Is like, yeah. oh, there's no way that I could ever get to the level of perfection that I need mm. for ordination. Mm. And like coming into seminary, getting to know like these good holy priests who are, you know, they're priests, but they're also people, they're men, you know? Yes. Um, you really do get the sense of like, yeah, like, you know, there, it, it can be really easy to just kind of fall into like a certain like functionalism, like as a mm-hmm. priest, like, like kind of like putting their worth in how many things, like the things that they do or like putting their worth in the routine that they follow, putting their worth right. in and, and not really putting their worth into the end goal, which is, you know, Jesus Christ right. in a certain sense. So uh, this is, this is definitely heavily addressed as you kind of mentioned in seminary talking yeah. about, you know, how do you live an integrated life as a priest? Because, the reality is, is that priests are people too. Like I'm a person, you yeah. know, there's, there's things that, you know, I, I, you know, we like doing routine stuff, but there, you know, yeah. that there, but there is like, we, we need a goal that we're striving for. And it's so important 
to, and, and this kind of, I'm just beating around the bush here. It's so important. This is stressed in seminary yeah. that a priest must pray. Yeah. A priest must pray. A priest must pray. And, you know, think about that, you know, coming into seminary is like, oh yeah, of course a priest prays. A priest prays like all the time. Like I see him every Sunday at mass, yeah. you know, but in, in reality, it's, it's sometimes when, when the life of the priest, when the routine of a priest gets really busy, prayer can be one of those things that a priest kind of you know, shoves in the back corner and he starts, maybe, maybe he doesn't stop celebrating mass, but maybe he stops praying personally by himself, you know, Mm -hmm. not spending, not finding, not, not, not making time to be alone in solitude with the Lord. You know, a, a certain analogy comes to mind. It's like, the amount, the analogy of like marriage, you know, marriage breaks down when the spouses stop talking to each right. other, you know, that, and, and, and let me pick on that though, just for a sec to clarify one thing, because yeah. spouses can still talk to each other and priests can still quote unquote pray. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But is it just words? And I'm, is it just, you're going through the routine or is it, Hey, you're trying to work toward towards mm-hmm. that, so mm-hmm. I because I want to pick up on what you just said about priests must pray. It's not only just pray, but they have to um, have their heart in it, I guess. Or I'm mm-hmm. I'm not coming up with the right word I want to say. Um, so it's not just saying the words of the prayers, just like with a spouse. It's not just saying okay, let's coordinate this and coordinate that, but it's actual diving in, willing to take those risks willing to open up. I guess yeah, that open absolutely. up is probably the word. Yeah. As opposed to being per- safe, as opposed to being safe, but to open up. So I think both on the marriage side and on the, on the priest side, you have to uh, not only pray, but and, and on the marriage side, not only talk, but also opening yourself and, under- and, and trying to always circle back and touch base on that on that goal that you're, uh, uh, you're going to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Vulnerability is a huge yeah. part of prayer and it's a huge part of authentic prayer. So, uh, but that's all to say, you know, like sometimes we do go through periods of time in yeah. prayer where it does feel like we're kind of going through the motions and it's a temptation for people who are kind of like very early on in their prayer life to say, Oh, well, this isn't working. I'm not feeling it the same way that I had used to. So maybe I'll just stop right now or I'm, I'm not doing it right. I'm not doing it right. And then, and they just kind of stop. But but really, what a, what a priest should be doing is like not stopping, to, not stopping to pray. You know, yeah. even even when it feels like it's it's getting you know rote or, or or it's it's becoming more routine. It's becoming like you're you're not feeling like your heart's in it. That's something that you can bring to God in prayer. You know, that's yeah. something that you can like very vulnerably share. Vulnerability is super important in prayer, as it is with any conversation yeah. with any individual. You know, if you're not praying vulnerably, then you're not. You know, you, you, God wants to see us authentically. Yeah as we are so that we can experience him who he is. You know, if we can't experience him as a good father, if we don't come before him as humble children, you know, Mm -hmm. we don't come before him and we can't experience his mercy for us. If we don't bring, you know, what is most touching and tender to us, to him. Um, And that's so important for any authentic prayer life. But uh, what happens is like some, the, the thing about prayer is it just, just like a relationship is it's two ways, you know, and there's sometimes we're going into prayer, you know, you think you're going to experience like this high mountaintop moment, but <clears throat> sometimes you just don't feel anything, even though you're vulnerable and, um, and some, and there's many different reasons why that might happen. But the, the important thing is you have to keep praying. And that's the thing that they really yeah. drill into us in seminary yeah. is you have to keep praying because as you kind of mentioned, uh, as, as, this this was this is kind of preached a lot at seminary, and yeah. I, I really like this. Is that 
one of the fir- one of the first signs that a priest is going to stop being a priest mm-hmm. is that he stops praying. So okay. we had I forget which uh, which bishop this was. I can't remember. That's if it was interesting. Detroit's That's... Archbishop or yeah. somebody's. So he would this this bishop would always. Uh, he had the job of talking to priests who were uh, preparing to leave the priesthood. Okay. So these are terrible situations yeah. where you know it's 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 tough. It's was he tough like there. a counselor to them or something? So or was he, he he was more like in charge of them. I can't okay. remember if it was Cardinal Francis. I can't remember exactly who it was. Okay. But uh, but uh, this priest would come in and he'd always ask the same question like, "When did you stop praying?" That was always he the first need, question. He assumed you would stop. Yeah. And, and wow. every every single one of them stopped praying. That was, that was like one of the first things that went was prayer. Wow. One of the first things that went was them like not praying the bravery, not praying the you yeah. know, five day. And and like once you lose that intimacy, like yeah. you can't be. The thing is, you can't be a priest without Jesus. You can't yeah. be a priest without prayer yeah. because a priest is like fueled by prayer. You know, the, if, if you try to do this by yourself, yeah. you are going to fail. And and that's 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 drilled into us at seminary. And I'll tell you, going in as a diocesan priest, I would I'm comparing that in my mind to being like with an order or something like that, where you know a monastery. Being a diocesan priest, you've got you're going to be out there. You're going to be in a parish. Yep. And there's going to be do you know you're going to have a calendar. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm making I'm forming with my hands a cal- you know your calendar is going to be full. Mm-hmm. And you're every day you can fill up. As much as you want, and you can go through and do that, and and to the outside, to someone from the outside, wow, he's he's killing it as a priest. Yeah, he's, he's busy oh, from yeah. from eight. So I I think that while there's a challenge now, while you're in school with the routine of school, I think the challenge is even going to be greater uh, uh, once you're ordained, once you're out there in a, in a parish, just because it's so easy for your day to be taken up and for you mm-hmm. to be able to say, well, yeah, okay, this is, it's more important that I stay longer at this meeting and I can skip my yeah. evening prayers mm-hmm. tonight mm-hmm. or something like that. And then the routine becomes everything. Not, I call the routine that, you know, the, the things in your calendar and you're not, and you're not touching base. So I could, I, I just see, this is this is going to be a conversation you're going to be having with yourself, and maybe will be, you know, in in a couple of years yeah, too. No, this is a conversation that I'm already having with myself. <laughs> but yeah, no, this is, it's so true though. It is so easy for a priest yeah. to kind of get back into that. Maybe I've mentioned this earlier, like into just kind of like a functional understanding yes. of the priesthood. Like the more stuff that I do, the better priest that I am. Is basically the yes. idea. Yes. And you know, it's it's it comes I think from a, from good intentions. You know, he wants yeah. to he wants to be yeah. there for the people. You know, it might even come with like selfish motives as well. He might want to show that he's working, doesn't want, he wants to show mm. that he's not a lazy person. He mm-hmm. wants to maybe like show to his brother priests that he's not lazy or that he's doing something. Yeah. He wants to show that he wants to like actually like, you know, create something. He wants to generate something from himself. Yeah. But the truth is, is if you try to do that by yourself, you're not, yeah. you're not helping anybody. Yeah. You're really not helping anybody. It's so important. They, they talk about this in seminaries. Like, it's so important to create boundaries for yourself like bingo and that's the thing is like you know and you have i think you got to do this as a married person too yeah like there's got to be times when you're like okay i know i i could be doing a million other things but i have to pray yes like and you have to be okay with that yes and it's not like you're defeated you're it's not like you're 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 losing if you're not doing those things the truth is that the thing that you need to do right now is pray and that happened and and how that and it's funny enough how you really 
develop that is to develop habits, you know, to develop the routine, you know, it's, that's what they do in seminary. It's a nice full circle. So, um, so in seminary, you know, for me, at least I, the first thing I do every day at seminary is I do a holy hour. Okay. Uh, you, you, I wake up, you know, brush my teeth, take a shower, get dressed, holy hour. Excellent. And like, that's, that's something that I know so many priests have talked to me and, and said, you know, in a parish, like you really do have to pray your holy hour in the morning. Because oh, yeah, like, once the day once hits, the day hits, it's going to be tough to get that all in. And like at the end of the day, you're going to be so tired. You're not going to want to do it. It's going to yeah. be, you know, it's not going to be quality time. Yeah. Um, and I've definitely found that to be true, uh, that probably the best, the best time of the day is when you're freshest, at least for myself, is when I'm freshest in the morning. So I always go down to the chapel, pray the holy hour. Uh, thankfully, we have uh, adoration at that time. So mm-hmm. it's just oh, a that's great, great, great intimate experience with the Lord. Great intimate first hour with the Lord yeah. uh, in seminary. And I've seen like massive fruit in the past four years from it, you know, just growing closer to Christ in prayer, growing closer in, or growing, growing, you know, in a deeper understanding of, you know, how he's working in my life and a, a deeper understanding of my identity as, as his beloved son. Um, but all of that has, you know, I can't, I couldn't have had that if I didn't carve out that space for myself. Right. If I didn't make that boundary of say like, you know, oh, okay. You know, a lot of people, my, my age are like, you know, wake up and scroll like that. You know, <laughs> wake up, turn on yeah, the start phone. Doom scrolling. Like I keep on yeah. hearing like, you know, I, you know, you look on Facebook or, or, you know, YouTube or I don't even know what kids are on these days, yeah. but, but it's like, okay, like, you know, how many hours do you spend like before yeah. you get out of bed? like just scrolling or, or any, or how many, you know, yeah. but it's like, and that's what I used to do in college too. Like yeah. that was something that I was, but like, I'll tell you what, like building up that habit of going, like starting the day with prayer, yeah. that is, that is the way to do it. At least for, you know, for the diocesan priest in, in my mind. And it's, it's well, been, and it's, it's more than it's, it's actually a life lesson too. I, I'm not sure, but I'm almost sure. Have you heard of that book, the seven habits of highly successful people? I have. Yeah. And that, that you're, you're kind of quoting straight from that in a sense, if you don't make time for those things, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and what he, they call it is sharp. One of the things is sharpen the saw. Are you familiar with that analogy? It's like where there's a, a young kid who's a lumberjack coming out and he's not, he's killing it with all the trees, cutting them down. And there's an old seasoned lumberjack who's cutting down. He's doing well too. But then the seasoned lumberjack stops and he's there sharpening a saw and the young kid's like what are you doing why are you stopping and the young kid keeps going and then he's whacking harder and harder and then the old guy finishes sharpening and Mm -hmm. it's like Mm -hmm. hey you got to take time off to sharpen the saw that's right which is if you don't make time to do that it's not going to happen now one thing you and i had referenced before and maybe even on prior uh uh chats here is the diocese does set aside uh um like retreats, right? You're or or, or, or you're supposed yeah, to go so, on a retreat. So it's rec- it's it's recommended. I don't know exactly uh, how uh, how mandatory it is, but it okay. is definitely at the very least recommended for a priest to take a week long uh, retreat every year. Okay. Um. There's some. There's even some priests who will take like maybe like a day once a month to go on like a little mini retreat, oh. like maybe just a half day once a month. Um, just I to can like, see a beauty of that. Kind of, and, and the idea of that is like breaking yourself out of that routine and remembering yeah. kind of like, it, it's kind of like a little like going back to the honeymoon, you know, going back yes. to like that, going back to that deep intimate relationship and just kind of reminding yourself of why you're doing the routine. Yeah. Um, and those, you know, those moments when you're going off in retreat are just so powerful and so important to mm-hmm. priestly ministry. And that's something that is definitely, uh, at the very least, you know, very, um, it's it's pushed by the diocese. Definitely okay. very pushed by the diocese that priests do that because you know, if a priest isn't taking his retreat time, he's yeah. like once again, you're not sharpening the sword, you know, you're not sharpening the blade. I'm curious too, 
um, do other priests um, do other priests kind of like keep an eye on their brothers and and or they're so busy with their own stuff or that's there's you know there are there are a couple of I know there I can think of a few examples of priests who are really good about reaching out to their brother priests and because yeah. that's so important yes is not and that's this is maybe an entirely different episode it too. is an addition but, um, yeah. but yeah it is so important for for priests to to check up on each other and just make sure that yeah you know that they aren't living lives of you know just functionaries yeah. and. Um, yeah. and you know, that they were, we were made more for just kind of like useless labor, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, or just like meaningless labor. So yeah, yeah. no, yeah. Priests are, I, I know a, a few priests that are just really good about reaching out to their brothers and that's just, it, it's beautiful yeah, it's for to me it. to see. Cause it's like, oh yeah, this is like mm-hmm. what a beautiful life. This is to have brothers mm-hmm. around you who are, mm-hmm. who are willing to, you know, be brothers, challenge you, yep. uh, defend you, protect you, and you know, counsel you, give and you advice, slap and, you up the side of the head, yeah, maybe exactly. every once in a while. Exactly, you need it. <laughs> and sometimes you need it. You know, sometimes you need it, even if it hurts. Yeah. All right, fantastic. Is I think we're good. Or I think so. Uh, so uh, good luck as you're heading back to your uh, you. uh, your penultimate year. Yeah, I know. In it's, a it's sense, crazy to think. I know. I feel like I just started again. I know. That's I wild. know. But working working towards the diaconate. That's and, right. Uh, uh, it sounds like you got a good semester coming up, so I'm looking forward to next month hearing, uh, hearing about everything, how it's all stacking up. Absolutely. And uh, all right. Well, thanks. Well, uh, that wraps up this episode. And folks, as you know, there is no charge for father and dad, but we do ask for one form of payment. If you'd like what you've heard, please tell two friends. Thank you for listening. He